0: So um, uh, part of my research was at uh, Boise State University in the Materials Modeling and uh, Theory group, and that group mainly focuses on uh, computational um, screening for new materials and uh, lots of different applications. So, for example, uh, my research was screening for new materials in, um, uh, in like um, materials called uh, transition metal dichalconides that can be used uh, for like flexible electronics and uh, as as transistors and the machine learning aspect of that project was um to kind of combine computational like traditional computational methods and machine learning to uh accelerate the process for discovering new materials so it sounds pretty uh complicated but really it's just trying to use uh prior knowledge you know that's what prior knowledge yeah uh, based on like our slow calculation. so we calculate these materials we get these properties of these materials um and we, we we're looking for like a certain uh properties so like stability of this material like if we we're actually able to synthesize it in like a lab and um so we want Like, when we do computation screens, they take a very long time, like hours, you know, for, like, one material. And maybe we want to look at, like, 500 different materials. So that can take a lot of computation time. And um, when we use just computation, we attack those one by one. And with machine learning, we can use the data that we've already, like, computed and kind of predict um, what new materials, what those properties will be. How did it?
1: how did it work oh, out is
0: did the is this
1: uh it sounds great because if you can do it inside of a model and the model uh, right. uh matches up with the with real real materials and uh you know gets real results how did it how close did you get in terms of your predictability
0: right so our accuracy um we use the you know random forest regressor, so it's all continuous, um, no like classification, just like continuous of uh, data, and we were able to get um, an accuracy of around eighty percent when compared to uh, computational like techniques, and um, we haven't actually gone and uh, looked at like real world data, like what the actual uh, v- values are like experimentally, but computation computational screens, um, or computational, uh, methods are usually like very close to real world, um, experimental data. So what we did is we complete, uh, we compared our machine learning, uh, values to the computational values. And we found the, uh, like about around 80% wow. um, accuracy or matching. So it's, it's very promising. You know, and, the
1: science of yeah. the, um, uh, science material, uh, science is really quite interesting. um, Is it considered, material science considered nanotechnology or nanomaterials, or is this uh, more traditional? You're looking at just different uh, material compositions and properties, and then you're trying to match that, uh, say, with conductivity or um, some quality of heat, thermal, or, or, you know, those type of properties where, uh, maybe you have to have a certain level of safety uh, but you, you're you're getting safety combined with performance combined with uh,
0: maybe cost right so at- yeah that's that's really the yeah what you just described is yeah really the whole field of material science and um, you know property uh, structure performance relationships I think and that's where yeah you you're trying to look at properties that uh, or materials that will have yeah, all those things like the properties you want also safe and all of those things. And, um, I mean, yeah, materials science is a huge field. And I guess what we focus on on our group is, um, yeah, I guess nanoscale, uh, materials like two dimensional materials are very, uh, small that have, uh, applications in the nanoscale realm, I guess.
1: Yeah. It uh, used yeah. to be, uh, uh there was a lot of discussion about nano materials and how they were going to uh you know affect the world and uh provide uh, more like materials that were stronger than steel but lighter like the carbon fiber and and now you see right. uh carbon fiber uh cars uh there's you know they're light but they're very still very safe uh usually mm-hmm. in the high end cars you know with the the sports cars and then, you know, they were talking about carbon fiber uh, computer, where you're, you would have some sort of carbon fiber circuitry, uh, but it was in sort of a 3D lattice. And so they were talking about possibly having uh, supercomputers that were three-dimensional. But um, it sounds like to me, like, the area you're focusing in is more like in the uh, semiconductor materials.
0: yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, that's correct. Um, yeah, the graphene is a um, it is not a semiconductor. So, uh, the materials that we're working with are like have a lot of similar properties as graphene. Um, I'm sure. Okay. You've yeah. Probably heard of graphene and all that. Yeah, it's just like a single layer of carbon. You know, graphene. It's a two dimensional like material, and yeah, the materials that we're looking at are very similar to graphene except that they are semiconductors so they can be used as like transistors. Wow. All of those applications. Well I saw this uh, uh, I saw this there was a company that uh,
1: had specialized on graphene production and they were saying that um, that this the graphene is so strong that just one layer of molecules could hold up uh, uh, an object. I don't remember what the object was but it was it was pretty impressive. Oh, and it's yeah. super light mm-hmm. too.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Graphene is a huge uh, material that's gonna be um prevalent in the future. Absolutely. Nice. Uh so
1: how mm-hmm. did you get uh into uh artificial intelligence? I know you you said you had a kind of a passion for uh deep AI or or uh learning um uh algorithms. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so um like how I how I kind of chose this yeah. field, I guess. Yeah, so I initially went to uh, my undergrad at a small school in the Chicago area and into physics. And then I guess eventually I realized that my favorite part about physics was the math. And then I switched to a math major. Um, and now I'm actually at Boise State in Idaho. And uh, I think a really cool application in math is all those, uh, you know, machine learning, AI, deep learning, um, and yes, yeah, so I kind of explored the math in those areas. And then now I'm I'm, I'm applying that math, applying my math knowledge, my, uh, you know, machine learning knowledge and all that to, um, to other applications in science to help accelerate other parts, uh, you know, as such as material science and other fields as well. Right now I'm actually doing an internship in uh, natural language processing. Okay, I saw that. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. and yeah, it's totally different than material science, but, um, it's still, I can use a lot of the same knowledge that I've been learning and all the experience that I've gained from, you know, working with material science and all that I can use. So um, it's been a pretty- that's
1: what the natural, the
0: natural language
1: processing voice recognition is, uh, part of what, you know, I read this book a couple of years ago. Well, actually many years ago by. Uh, he was a super genius for computer science and uh, one of the leading kind of thought, thought uh, generators type person, but he called, his book uh-huh. was called artificial stupidity. And his point was that uh, natural language processing, voice recognition and networks would be uh, all that really had, we were capable of programming. Uh, the idea that we could program like a, um, a, uh um, you know, like an artificial brain, uh, was beyond anyone's capability to program. It'd be so complex. Um, I know there's been people that have tried to do it, but as far as I know, they, they just, you know, they're doing some of the algorithms for the math, for the neurons, and they keep discovering more math that they have to solve. So they're, they were, hopefully they were saying, well, we can get Uh, you know, an artificial brain by 2015, wishing it didn't happen. And so now they're talking, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, some point and definitely out in the future. But what what do you see? What's uh, exciting about natural language processing?
0: Well, natural language processing, I mean, there's. Oh, man, that's um, there's a lot exciting about that field. I, I mean, just entering the research you know, looking what's, what's been done. I mean, I don't think any field is moving as fast as fields like natural language processing and computer vision. I'm mean every day, every week, you know, there's hundreds or like, I don't know, a large amount of papers being published and just keeping up with the field is really hard. And um, I mean, the applications in natural language processing, I mean, they're just limitless. So yeah. You know, in the future, I, I mean, agree with you. I think that that, uh, yeah. um, you know,
1: it's like, well, I remember AT&T when they were first talking. Uh, uh, there was a couple of Utah companies that were specializing in voice recognition. Uh, you know, the at was trying to do the call call center with voice recognition. And one of the things was breaking down sound into uh Smaller units. They had a certain terminology for it, and then using probability to try to figure out if we assemble these uh, different sounds, what is it actually the person actually trying to say? And at first, it was really, uh, you know, they it could recognize certain words, but then it get confused. And I uh, now with semantic networks, and I'm not even sure uh, all the type of technologies that used in natural language processing. But it seems like linguistics is getting better.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one really big advancement was the use of uh, deep learning hmm. instead of using uh, machine learning techniques. So, in machine learning, uh, you know, you're not the computer is not really learning anything. It's kind of more like uh, optimizing a bunch of numbers, and there's still a lot of human involvement, you know, for natural language. So, another part of natural language processing is a uh, um, text. So, I guess text is probably the biggest part of natural language processing because with like voice recognition, you're really just converting the voice recognition to text and then doing stuff with the text. And um, yes, yeah, so what they used to do is pick a whole bunch of different features about the text. So, I mean, you know, syllables in a word, and you know what words are next to each other, and all that. And what deep learning um, did was deep learning it uses a. Um, you know, I'm just I'm just getting new to all this these things too, but basically it picks its own features right. and uh, it's yeah, kind of like discovers of its own
1: features. And that, I, that's, right. that feature engineering is, uh, for machine learning takes a lot of time. I, I talked to a, a data scientist the other day and he, he was said, we got a long ways to go. Uh, right. Cause you know, picking out the right features and then getting, uh, getting those lined up and then trying to get that, uh, um, percentage accuracy up above, you know, 60% is really important. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, um, what do you see? What do you see things like uh, with uh, natural language process? What do you see uh, some of the areas like I've been thinking like things like um, there was one that We were talking about with database querying, you know, where you can use some natural language processing for it to do certain functions. So it's faster, faster interaction, maybe than just clicking or
0: uh, things like that. Well, yeah, that sounds like an interesting application. I mean, I really um, I basically just started this internship, so I don't know. No, I know a very small portion of natural language processing applications out there. But one thing that I'm interested in, I'm looking at is the um, use of social media data to uh, create predictors and detection systems for mental such as depression and things like that. So, hmm. you know, with the advent of social media, there's this, you know, tremendous amount of uh, natural language data You know that is available, and what we can do is we can use uh, NLP, you know, techniques and deep learning and all that to process this data, and then um, based on you know, you know, users what they're tweeting, maybe what they're posting on Facebook, we can detect if this person is at risk for uh, you know depression or anxiety or PTSD, things like that, and that's um that's a big. I guess some field of NLP
1: yeah one of the things I I see more and more
0: is with uh, you know uh,
1: expert systems is uh, alerts you know where you can have the machine you know detect that uh, for a certain pattern and then alert you that um, there's cert- certain right. conditions that might be emerging right mm-hmm. um, well uh, Bart, time's about up um, do you have any last thoughts you'd like
0: to share about uh, material science or uh, NLP? Um, I mean, I I just like to emph- emphasize that, uh, I guess, it's just such an exciting field. And I think anybody listening to this podcast is obviously, obviously interested in that field. And, you know, they should be because the rate that it's accelerating is just incredible. And I'm, you know, I'm super excited to, you know, see what's going to happen in the future. So,
1: yeah. Great. Um, well, I'll send you a link and thanks for
0: talking with me. Yeah. Thanks for inviting me. Okay. To talk.
1: Yeah. Bye.